Uh, welcome to Boxcars 40k podcast. Uh, I'm Marcin and I'm playing Adeptus Custodes, although I'm not playing much lately. Uh, I'm Ryan and uh, I have been playing a little bit more. There's been a little bit less of a lockdown here in the United States, so I've been able to thankfully get out to some events. So it's been good. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> We do, we do have a measure of luck here in that regard. <laughs> Being safe, though, definitely. Um, the, the tournaments that I've been to have been really good about maintaining the health and safety protocols, wearing masks, taking temperatures, you know, maintaining social distance and stuff like that have been really pretty rigor- rigorously enforced. So um, yeah. had a couple scares there. Uh, one of the tournaments I went to ended up someone got caught, caught the COVID. Um, but it was not related to the tournament. Um, okay. So he was at the tournament, and then he kind of later came down with the COVID. So there was some exposure there, but I don't think anyone else caught it. So, but um, uh, don't you, if you get uh, in a in a space with a person that uh, has uh, COVID, do you get uh, locked down for for some period of time, or uh, it doesn't work that um, way in the states? Yeah, I mean they have like they have like lockdown restrict like restrictions. I mean it depends on um, you know it depends on the the nature of the interaction. Like they're like I said, I, I was maintaining pretty stringent health and safety, social distancing stuff, and no one else like no one from the tournament caught it. Like no one caught it at okay. the tournament. It's just that one of the guys later came down with it within the incubation mm-hmm. period time. He got exposed to it through his wife, who was a health worker. Okay. Um, so, you know, pretty much more closer contact, you know, kind of situation. Um, no one else caught it though from at the at the event. So, you know, things it works. You know, the, the I think that I think that the protocols do work. Okay. Keep, keeping the keeping the events safe. And stuff, so, yeah. Okay, that's that's good. Not enough about uh, COVID. We've got yeah, enough yeah. that neurological disease. <laughs> In our lives. All right. Let's talk bad. about uh, your current uh, incarnation of the list, maybe, and your yeah, sounds, recent tournaments. Uh, anything interesting? Good. Yeah. So um, I did do pretty well in my last RTT. I had lost to a Monster Mash, um, but it was it was one of those games where there's like again where you just have a spree of kind of swing swing rolls that just really go badly for you and, and end up being significant in the game. So twice during that game, his uh, Slaneshi demons survived when they shouldn't have on like two or one wounds. And it was enough. It was, it was kind of a list that I was playing. So the, the list I was playing was the, uh, the three keepers, three keepers, the new Mortarion and the, um, the greater demon of Zinch with the three up and vulnerable save. And then uh, a smattering of nerglings, uh, some demon eddies, and some flamers as well. And um, so this would have been my third time kind of going into this kind of list. So I, I was I was feeling pretty good about it. This was my double patrol uh, with just the five Virtus Praetors, just the one Caladius tank, uh, two units of three Sagittarum, one unit of Sisters of Silence, uh, Bite Captain, two Achilles Dreadnoughts, and then I actually had an Inquisitor and then a Calexus uh, Assassin as well. And um, Inquisitor, that's something new. Yeah, I took an Inquisitor out for a spin. I wanted to try out some of the psychic secondaries, and I felt like I kind of got the Line Breaker, Teleport Homer, 
combination down well enough um, that I could make it work. And so kind of the bubble with that was I would I would drop my two Achilles uh, in my Calexis kind of into the zone. My Calexis would be there to soul horror for the Achilles Threadnoughts if they didn't make their charges. So that's a fight last three inch or a fight last ability. So he can kind of just like hunker in between them and give them a three inch fight last aura basically is great for Achilles Dreadnoughts, uh, especially fighting things that like charge you back. Um, and then uh, the Inquisitor then kind of just falls in with that group and he just does, you know, the like psychic ritual or he does um, Pierce the Veil, which was the, uh, the psychic, kind of the uh, psychic line breaker one. So I had some, I had a pretty good game plan for it. I took actually a Quill on Shield instead of Dreadhost as one of my, um, as one of my, um, and I also had a Terminator captain as well in the Lars Terminator. And I mean, Aquilon shield, so they can, uh, was it, uh, they can shield characters? Yeah, yeah, so I took, okay. I took, uh, my, the last unit in that army list was, um, an Alaris captain who had, uh, he had the two extra runes for the captain commander trait, indomitable constitution, he had the half damage warlord trait, uh, and then he had three up and vulnerable save as his relic. Um, so, Pretty uh, beefy. Revered, revered companion is the name of the warlord trait. So yeah, he's got nine wounds. He's toughness five, two up, three up, half damage. Really good. And then he can take hits for anyone. Uh, he can take hits for the Inquisitor as long as he's within three inches of him. Um, so the Inquisitor was pretty... And then the Dreadnoughts as well were both Quillon Shield in that list, so they could also take hits for the Inquisitor. So the Inquisitor was pretty safe in that bubble. And it was just more more or less a matter of actually getting it into the enemy's deployment zone that became kind of the trick. And I found that the list just lacked enough firepower to make it almost untenable. I I, I would have scored max. So the first game that I played, um, I'm trying to remember how... I want to say... I'm, I'm remembering back to my my most recent RTT, which was not the one with the monster mash, if I remember. Right. Uh, no, that it was that that was the tournament. Yeah, I'm trying to piece it together here. <laughs> Have another conniption of memory here that you <laughs> feel free to edit later. But uh, I played Blood Angels. I I tabled them turn three, and then so I had to roll out Pierce the Veil. For the rest of the turns that we didn't end up having to play and i don't know if you're familiar with pierce the veil as a secondary but the way it works is you uh you have to pass a psychic test on a four uh you have to pass it twice to get eight points you have to have to pass it four times to get the full 15 points and that has to be the same character doing this right and it's the same character or, doing this yeah so so uh, i don't think it has to be the same character i think it's just you know, but I don't. I obviously he's oh, okay. like okay. psychic character no, in the army, so you don't have any choice in this. I don't really have a choice, yeah. So he does a turn two fine. He does a turn three just fine, and then I basically table him turn three. We basically just kind of talk out the that the remainder of turn three. He played a really uh, kind of inefficient Blood Angels list. He had two big repulsors. He had like a big block of. Um, he had like 20 or 15 or 20 uh, death company on foot, like intercessors. On I can't foot. remember. It was, okay. it was like probably 15. It was a big brick of them. And then he just had a smattering of Gravis Marines. Like he had like three uh, aggressors. He had, uh, I think he had like three inceptors and like three eradicators. And um, 
So I pretty much just shot him at range, and then, you know, his army wasn't big enough to screen his deployment zone, so I just kind of dropped down behind some cover in his deployment zone. And then my British prairies pretty much just cleaned up the rest. I mean, they just... They just the five the five of them killed both repulsor or salvo launchers and most of the death company and a smattering of other you know characters and such so he just didn't really have an answer for that and he was a fairly inexperienced player and I was kind of coaching him during the time as well but yeah it was I mean he was pretty pretty quick uh, you know but I mean I just you know I sunk the line breaker I sunk it so the so the Alexis does teleport Homer. The um, you know the Alaris blocks and then the the uh, the um, Inquisitor did pierce the veil. Sadly, that game, my first game, really doing doing this kind of combination, I roll a perils on my third attempt, and then I roll it into a three. So then I could only score eight points because even if I had oh. made that fourth one in the fifth turn, um, it wouldn't matter because yeah, I had to do so that was frustrating, but that was yeah. pretty much pure dice roll. I would have got it otherwise, you know. Um, like I said, big swingy kind of fluke dice roll. And then, uh, so I kind of I knew the theory worked. I mean, I knew there was there was a, a significant amount of lists that I could play that effectively against. There's a lot of lists that have zero psychic defense. It's only one psyker, one psychic character, so you're not really giving up anything for uh, a poor the witch. Um, I'm still only at. So I was at four characters with that army, which kind of put me in danger of assassinate. But, you know, two of them are very hard to kill, the Calexus and the Alaris Terminator Captain. And then one of them's being blocked by the Terminator Captain. And then the other one's a shield captain on a jet bike flying around with a bunch of bird freighters. So, um, so I wasn't really concerned about that. But um, I, I did struggle a little bit with the CP economy again, uh, taking the two patrol detachments. Uh, I only took one Eternal Penitent. Actually, I didn't take any Eternal Penitents with that list, now that I'm thinking about it. I actually dropped that as well to just try to scrounge some more CP, especially for the Equivalent Shield Special Strat. Um, so I, I ended up playing the Monster Mash again round two, and I played uh, Josh Minich, who's uh, top tier in my or, or mid to top tier, mid top tier. I would say, I mean, he pretty consistently scores in the top 100. He's kind of got his own gaming club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a good player. And I know he's played this list many, many times against many different styles of list. And, um, you know, he played Iron Hands when Iron Hands were big and did really well with Iron Hands. I remember losing to him with my custodes back. First time I played him, I played him playing his Iron Hands, and he, he beat me out of GT. Um, he's been playing 40K for a long time. And, uh, you know, he knows how to use this monster mash list. And I got lucky initially. I got to turn one. I killed one of his keepers right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Just shot it off the board with pretty much every, every gun in my army. Um, I only deep struck one Dreadnought, and I deep struck um, my Alaris Terminator captain, hoping to kind of just send him in after some Nurglings or something on his backfield objective. And... In my Calexus in my in my uh, Inquisitor, I put into my line, and uh, I took uh, I took assassinate, grind them down, and I took Linebreaker, which was kind of a mistake in hindsight. Um, 
you know, I couldn't take any of the psych. So I, I you know, I obviously wanted to take a poor the witch, but because I had a psyker in my army, I couldn't do that. Um, so yeah. I didn't have a lot of, yeah, I didn't have a lot of good alternatives. Honestly, I probably should have taken while we stand, we fight uh, as my secondary instead of grinding down. Grinding down was a big gamble. Like I said, it, I mean, it cost me six points on just some bad janky rolls where should have killed the guy and you know he didn't die, so. So basically what happens is I, I shoot this guy first turn off the board. I kind of position a little bit more castle up. So I have my Sisters of Silence in front of my line. I have my Sagittarium as a second line to kind of prevent that them from getting somehow shot off the board. He had some flamers, and that was it as far as his shooting went. You know, but I still wanted to double up that line because the, uh, the Selineshi demons had, like, whips that they could shoot with. That had enough potential that if I just stacked my Virtus Praetors right behind the sisters, you know, you just got to kill mm -hmm. a couple of sisters and then you can charge my Virtus Praetors. And they have such a crazy long range movement, you know, he can get within six or seven inches of my line, no problem. You know, five, you know, even four inches. I mean, he, was, he got close quick, so fast. And um, so I, I kind of baited, his, baited him to a center deploy. So, like, he did put his fastest one on the far left flank, the one that I shot off the board, and the rest of his guys kind of center deployed due to me placing a, my palace graph out on the right side. Kind of try to bait him into that, which worked. Um, but I should have, you know, I ended up trying to center deploy him again, but he just basically ran right into his smite spam without sister protection, and that was a, that was a mistake that I made um, after turn one. Um, so... Into his, into his turn one, he basically just smite spammed, you know, the palace grab off the table, which didn't help me with, which was really dumb because I could have hit him. So I was trying to consolidate my force once I saw him kind of, so I was hoping I could slip him through, but he just moved up through the center and took advantage of that error and um, sent uh, the next one in line, the next keeper of secrets basically came in, charged my line, killed three, um, well, got stooping dived, right? So he comes in, you know, charges my line. My first mm -hmm. prayers are all lined up right behind my Sagittarium. So they, you know, five-man unit of them stooping dives. And these guys now are um, in my other detachment, which was Emissaries Imperatus. Uh, so I have I had access to the Stratagem Emperor's Hand. And so this was a greater demon that had the minus one to wound exalted trait. So otherwise, I would have been wounding on sixes. Because uh, it's toughness seven, strength six, and then it's minus one to wound. Uh, so I spent, so I spent three CP to stooping dive. Uh, I spent one CP for Emperor's hand to ignore his minus one to wound, uh, and then I spent two CP on Slayer of Nightmares to give them plus one to wound. Uh, That's expensive uh, investment. So like, yeah, man. So I spent six CP trying to kill this one keeper of secrets. And then he spends, for one CP, he spent a uh, stratagem, which made all my Virtus Praetors minus one attack. So I was like, oh, no. That's 25% less efficiency right away. Yeah, significant. So I'm spending six CP. He's spending one CP. Basically burned all my CP with that move. And I get this Keeper of Secrets down to two wounds, who then promptly picks up a unit of Sagittarium that she got into combat with. So that was kind of a that was kind of a blow, and the issue with that was because then I knew because this was you know I only have the one unit of Virtus Praetor, so I have to be really careful with this unit because it's my only hammer unit with this army. You know my two dreadnoughts. The other issue uh, that I ran in, ran into with that particular move is that I mispositioned my dreadnought so he couldn't heroically intervene. 
I would have spent another CP to Heroku intervene that Dreadnought into it, and that would have been that would have been a big plush move for me because had I been able to kill that Keeper of Secrets, my Virtus Predators would have been free to shoot and charge then in my turn two. Um, and he had moved Mortarion right up the center, right towards me as well. So Mortarion was sitting in prime position to get charged and shot at by everything in my army. Um, and then the other Keeper was kind of still kind of languishing on his left, my right side, his left flank, to kind of hedge that in because he knew I had that Alaris captain coming in. Um, but basically after I killed two of his three keepers, he was kind of all in just basically gunning for me and just trying to keep me off all the objectives while his nerglings just racked their primary points basically. So the way that that panned out was I had to fall back with my British Praetors or else they would have been hit first in combat by his, his keeper of secrets, which probably would have killed probably two of them, um, on average, you know, and I just couldn't risk it. And so I had to fall back out of combat with them, shoot shoot the uh that wounded keeper of secrets secrets off the table and try to position in such a way uh to basically keep mortarion in place so what i ended up having to do was i sent my calexus forward so my calexus ran out which he did a great job because between him and the sisters of silence completely kanked his entire psychic face the minus three just turned off everything mortarion tried to do the keepers of secrets couldn't smite anything it was great it felt really good just like completely shutting down his psychic mm-hmm. phase. Um, so he, so I was like, the only way I'm going to basically be able to deal with Mortarion here is to try to try to delay him from going after my British Praetors and my bike captain. And so I sent the Calexus out. Calexus charges Mortarion. And then my, my, uh, my other Dreadnought in Deep Strike also drops in and, um, makes the charge on Mortarion. So he just got he just he just got charged by a Calexus and a and a dreadnought here. And um he does like I did some plink damage. So so Mortarion at this point had had uh, actually periled once on his psychic powers and took like two mortal wounds, which he didn't save. So he was like down to sixteen wounds. And then I did I chipped like three damage off after I'd killed uh after I killed that keeper of secrets. Um in my in my second shooting phase, the one that was wounded by the stooping dive, mm-hmm. um, the rest of it I put in Mortarion and did like three or four wounds uh, on him. And then my Dreadnought charges in, and he brings him down to seven wounds. Uh, so I took you know I took eleven wounds off Mortarion in single turn, which is a pretty sizable chunk, seeing as he only got charged by one Achilles Dreadnought, not two. So my other Achilles Dreadnought had to kind of maneuver to get around because I had him really badly positioned kind of next to this ruin. So he basically kind of, I positioned him to charge the keeper of secrets. that was still alive. If the, for whatever reason, you know, the keeper of secrets survived the rest of that turn. So he was not really in a position to do anything else than that. He just contributed his shooting basically. Um, so, and then the Calexus, lo and behold, he decides to put all of his attacks into Calexus to try to kill the Calexus which he admitted later that was a tactical error. He should have just killed the Dreadnought. Um, but the Calexus completely tanked an entire round of combat for Mortarion using his his multiple attack profile. Didn't take a single wound. Um, he, did like, he did like seven hits and like six wounds, and I just spiked a bunch of four up invulnerable saves and just walked away. <laughs> so that that was kind of yeah, a big easy. turnaround. But don't, yeah. don't he hit Calexus on sixes? 
you can only hit the collectors on sixes, yeah. So like yeah, even yeah. with like twenty one attacks or whatever, whatever he's swinging yeah. at you with, he still only got like five attack or five or six hits in something like that. And then I spiked a bunch of four up saves. And I mean they were all one damage anyway, so I was kind of like he's gonna live. You know, with five wounds, he should live. And uh, spiked the four ups, and I was happy with that. So that was a big turnaround. I felt better about having to fall back for Freighters at that point. And I fell them back towards his deployment zone. Um, I also picked up a unit of flamers. I shot a bunch into his unit of flamers in the backfield. Uh, because I realized after having to drop that Dreadnought into my line that my Alaris captain, who also dropped in that turn, failed his charge, failed his 3D6 rerolling charge uh, on a unit of Demonetti's. Um, holding a backfield objective, which would have been perfect if I would have made that, because then he would have been holding that objective turn three quite easily, um, which gave him another kind of a respite. And it was a hold two, hold three mission, so just was not great. Uh, I was only, I basically had to center my army on one to avoid getting smited off the board or hit all at the same time. Um, so that was not going in my favor either. So I was like, okay, I need to throw my Virtus Praetors towards his backfield to get on a backfield objective and to also score line breaker points. So when I fell back, I fell back forward towards his deployment zone. Um, along with my bike captain who did, who did be able to, he was able to, um, to make it into the, into his, his deployment zone. Held up Mortarion for a turn. His third keeper of secret came and basically move blocked. Mortarion because he kind of set him up in a ruin. So that third keeper, and it was kind of in between two ruins. So the third keeper of secret kind of moved between Mortarion and my other dreadnought and uh, charged the dreadnought that was in combat with Mortarion, killed that dreadnought, and then Mortarion killed the Calexus in my in my turn in, of of um or not my turn in his turn of of fighting. Um so. So that was his turn two. And so my turn three was base. And then his big keeper of secrets as well was right up the middle now at this point, bearing down on my lines, um, moving to contest the one objective that I was holding at that point, besides the back line that I got with my bike captain. Um, so then I, uh, you know, I charged his keeper of secrets with my dreadnought and basically pulverized the thing. Um, after shooting and everything. Uh, but then uh, I can't remember. Let's see. So then his, you know, he, he, he actually had killed all the sisters at that point. So, um, you know, my sad, like there was some smite stuff going on. My Sagittarum pretty much dwindled to, dwindled to nothing at that point. I had to kind of come out and try to fight this greater demon of Zinch. Uh, right. What, what did I do? So, it, so that turn, I think I just moved, blocked the greater beam to Zinch and made him go after my Caladius tank, which he did pretty promptly. Kind of just jumped over the ruin and went after it. And my last unit of Sagittarum with my um, Inquisitor kind of were like in this little hallway in this ruin. So they were like kind of safe from getting charged. Um, you know, but they had to really kind of weasel their way in to kind of hold the objective. So I was in kind of a tight spot at that point. At that point, too, I was like, I'm going to get charged by Mortarian. I'm not in a position to really take him on. So what I did was I just flew my Virtus Praetors up onto this ruin, and I positioned them in such a way that he, they couldn't be charged. So the way that I did that was, you know, I moved them far enough away from the exterior wall that Mortarion couldn't just attack them five inches up, um, but close oh, okay. enough so that he couldn't physically land his base 
on two. All right. That's so, a smart move. But they, they were yeah. inside the ruin, right? So they were well, they were on top of the ruin. It was like there was like a nice oh, okay. platform okay. Uh, that was big right. enough that that I could have all five vertus predators on top of it, but outside of an inch of the exterior wall. So that five inch vertical thing, um, you wouldn't be able to get contact. And then my bike captain was down below holding the objective, which was just far enough away from this gate that Mortarion couldn't physically fit his base and to make contact with my captain either. So basically I flew up there and just shot him a bunch more with salvo launchers and got him down to one wound. Um, and then, uh, my Alaris captain kind of caught up with those demon eddies and, and managed to take that objective. So I managed to score like, you know, I started scoring like five primary because I was holding my backfield objective just barely. And then I managed to score 10 because I held three, but he also held three. So, um, so like the primaries were really like he, he had a good lead in the primaries, you know, just because he had so many throwaway units in the way of the nerglings to just use up, you know, objective space. And I had to basically throw my whole army into his monster. It's kind yeah. of one of that list. This is something I noticed that is happening a lot. Uh, people are taking throw throwaway units, like yeah. the, the 15 point dog in in Space Wolves, just to you know block your objective for a turn or something. Yep. Or yeah. Or just yeah, just not be an issue and just take it, hold an objective while all the rest of your army is just going or, forward. Or block, block backfield from from dropping. Uh, yeah. Yep. Fencing the deep strike and screwing with the target. Um, priority stuff, you know, threat saturation becomes much easier to do when you can just hold backfield objectives with little units and throw all your scare units forward towards the enemy. You know, it gets really tough to. So, um, him getting to my line so fast though and tying up my Caladius tank, especially, was, you know, and tying up all my Sagittarium was kind of the clutch move that kept me, because otherwise I would have been able to shoot his Nurglings off the board. And I did actually take out a unit of Nurglings turn one along with that unit of, um, or that Keeper of Secrets that I killed. Um, so, I mean, like, the big thing that lost me the game was mispositioning that Achilles Dreadnought um, and not killing that Keeper of Secrets when she charged my lines. Because that would have set me up to basically charge Mortarion with two Keepers of Secrets, or two Dreadnoughts and my unit of Praetors and my bike captain, which I think would have been enough to do it. Honestly, after a good round of shooting, I think that would have been enough. And from there it would have just been rinse and repeat while, while shooting Nurglings. So that basically kind of, you know, was the clutch thing that happened. Um, the big mistake that I made and then obviously throwing that palace grab was not a smart move. I should have just buried him on the other corner and just kept him in like a reserve element or try to push him into line breaker scoring position. So I could have focused a little bit better with my burst braiders, um, you know, and just helped kill nurglings and demon eddies and things like that. Um, so that what, what, what is your, what is your tip? Uh, so to say to, to fighting versus that list for the, yeah. So, I mean, it's, for so, the, so the big move, so the big move is fencing the Virtus Praetors and setting up that stooping dive. Cause that's a list that they have to really just throw at you, especially against a good shooting army of Adeptus Custodes. Um, if you got Caladius tank, if you got even a Telamon, if you got Sagittarum, you know, and you got salvo launchers, like you can pretty comfortably pick up a keeper of secrets in a turn, um, you know, with, with mass fire. It's, it's not hard to do. Uh, even with minus one to wound, even with a four up in bowl, like usually there's enough high damage volume there that it's enough to kill them. Yeah, um, yeah. 
That's my okay. my experience as well. If you if you find space and can you know right. keep keep the distance, you can right you know just bl- blot them out uh, one right. by one. Yep. And then the key and the second piece of that is so you're forcing them then to play into your line, which means then you you screen your vertus praetors with your infantry and then you wait until they charge your line and you can then jump your infantry and stooping dive into the into the unit. You know, so obviously it's yeah, it's expensive to do that with CP. And if he does it with multiple units and it can get really kind of hairy. But to me, that's the best way to kind of counter it. Um, I've set my new list up. So the, the new list that I crafted um i've kind of taken in some of the lessons and um you know applied some things that i learned and i think it's a better list for taking on monster mash so um but we'll see because i i did drop one of the achilles dreadnoughts so i feel a little bit vulnerable on account of that but i have way more cp because i only have the one um so i only have one achilles dreadnought i have only one captain um I have only one patrol detachment, so I actually start with 10 CP. So I've actually managed to do stooping dive a couple of times. I've only played the list once, but I was able to do actually stooping dive twice or have okay. the CP do it twice, which is good. Um, and I actually have two big unit first freighters in this list as well, which I think at the end of the day have a little bit better efficiency throughout the game than just a single Achilles Dreadnought. A lot of times my, my one Achilles, you know, my Achilles Dreadnoughts are kind of just on objective watch you know they drop in and they you know while the virtus praetors pretty consistently do heavy lifting um so i it's a it's a uh, emissaries and paradis list um that really just kind of centers around that hand of the emperor stratagem uh two caladius tanks uh one unit of five one unit of four virtus praetors uh one achilles dreadnought calexis one unit of five sagittarum as opposed to two units of three and then one unit of five sisters of silence. So it's a little bit more compact as well. So no no Inquisitor anymore? No, I dropped the Inquisitor. Um I I, I, I liked you know, I liked using the Inquisitor for for some of those gimme points, those pickup points. And it was really nice just not having to deal with a secondary, you know, but I found actually in my third game, so my third game I played um uh with that list, I played uh Admech. And he was a really good admic player. He had uh, he had like five robots, uh, a bunch of tanks, and tons of dogs. And um, so I was like, there's just no way I'm going to be able to sneak in my units here. <laughs> and, and we played on uh, corners. Uh, whatever the mission is, we played in our corner deployments. So it was like one of the smallest, easiest deployment zones to screen out. And I was just like, there's even if... He lets me drop my my uh, you know my two dreadnoughts and my Alaris captain and my Alexis and my Inquisitor into his backline. Like I knew, like he would pick that whole blob up with probably just his robots, you know, with Wrath of Mars and rerolls from Call and and all that. I was just like, there's just no way I'm gonna throw that away. Uh, so there was a big kind of um, line of sight blocking screen in the middle or in a, a, a piece of terrain. So I decided to go with um, Psychic Ritual, which is the one where you, you do it on a, it's like on a three, you roll a three, you get the, the power off, um, and you have to do it, you just have to do it three times in the center, and then you get the, the max 15 points. So arguably easier than, than Pierce the Veil, um, you know, for whatever reason. And um, I did manage to max that score in that game with the Inquisitor. 
as well, uh, which was good. Um, my Inquisitor actually he did he did splendidly in that second match. So he actually charged the the Greater Demon of Zinch and almost lived with one wound. That I gave him the four up invul and the minus one to wound Dark Shroud Relic. And uh, yeah, he had a Demon Hammer. He was just going to town. Um, and then in the third round, in the third match though, when I I actually ended up killing uh, he ended up killing Belisarius Call in single combat, which was great too. Um, with his with his demon hammer, so um, so I mean I was I was actually quite fond of the Inquisitor. I, I think he played I pl- he played really well. He, he accomplished mostly, you know, besides some really fluky roles and some kind of bad matchups. Um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's tough because like as soon as I walked, so I was like, you know, that second match was around. I was kind of like, okay, all this demon stuff is gonna come right at me. But if I the, the moment that I take an Inquisitor and I say pierce the veil, he's gonna send his big chicken after him, and he's gonna mind zap him and take away this take away his psychic power, you know. So like, mm-hmm. so he took that ability. So all he has to do is deny my pierce the veil once, and then he just I can't use pierce the veil anymore the rest of the game so he basically has to make a single deny roll and you know i i lose all those secondary points immediately so i was just like this is so that was just like bad matchup and that's kind of i think the biggest thing that kind of kinked him for me uh, and they kind of led me to go you know it's he's he's nice to have however there's just there's just too many really really hard counters and it is like i had to basically build a list around him you know to actually make him work yeah on the other hand uh, if you if you take uh, if you don't have take inquisitor then that matchup is much easier with abhor the witch right exactly exactly so i'm, I'm really kind of keeping my losses in mind as far as matchups go um, and that was like the, that was kind of, that was a big swing. Cause I struggled with those secondaries that turn us. I'm struggling with grinding them down because, because demons and, um, but I didn't have a lot of good alternatives either, you know? So I was kind of stuck on that one. And I think being able to take a poor, the witch against that list is really good. I did take assassinate and I maxed assassinate. I ended up killing, killing all his demon characters, but he just beat me on the primaries. Cause I just couldn't quite, I mean, I almost tabled him. You know, and I almost had, I'm still like 60% of my forces left. Um, but I just couldn't score those primaries. If it was a one objective mission, I would have won the game. Uh, had it played out the exact same way. Um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get on enough, I couldn't get on enough objectives with, with that setup, you know. And that was, that is kind of the, the issue with the list um, is that it, it makes, you know, it is hard to score those secondary points. Um but I think the one that I have designed now is better for grinding them down because it's a little more killy. It's got a little more killing power behind it. It's much more CP efficient, so I can afford to do souping dive more than once. Uh, I, you know, the Emperor's Hand is just a stellar stratagem, especially when you're fighting anything that has minus one to wound. You can just blank that off. You can ignore cover. You can ignore all minus hit penalties. So that unit of five Sagittarium now is substantially more. Um, efficient than even two units of three with that with that uh stratagem because um you know they're hitting on threes usually because i'm either shooting both of their weapons or i'm advancing and with the emperor's hand hand stratagem uh you it ignores negative hit modifiers you know so you pick a unit in your shooting phase you ignore negative hit hit modifiers and it's basically an additional ap because it ignores cover so in a lot of situations 
you know, you're ignoring cover. You're basically getting an additional AP on top of that. So you're always hitting on twos then with all four of your shots, you know, uh, rather than hitting on threes when, you know, you're swinging, you know, 15 years, you're, you're swinging 20 shots down range, hitting on twos, rerolling ones rather than threes, rerolling ones, you know, is substantially better. Um, maximizing that that efficiency i mean you're looking at basically getting an additional three or four hits every turn with just that one unit of sagittarium and then the nice thing too is it really works well with the bikes as well like i said just fighting the monster mash as as one just being able to pay one cp to negate that minus one to wound and basically increase your your wounds by a hundred percent right so you go yeah. from hitting on sixes to hitting on fives and sixes you know for one cp rather than paying two cp to, to do plus one to wound for Slayer of Nightmares. And not only that, um, but you can use it for their secondary profile in the salvo launcher for the flak burst missile when you're shooting at like anti-infantry horde. It's normally minus one to hit anything that doesn't have the fly keyword, right? So you get mm-hmm. D3 shots blast on a big unit of guardsmen or a big unit of orc boys, but you're minus one to wound, so you're hitting on threes, rerolling, rerolling one. So you get that bad janky roll full of twos, and suddenly you think with your 15 shots, you should kill that unit of 10 guardsmen, but you drop six of them. Now suddenly you can auto-pass and keep them on objective or something. You can get kind of annoying, so having that stratagem in the hopper to go, I'm going to ignore that minus one to hit. I'm going to maximize that that hit roll, and then hopefully that wound roll as well. Hit you know Wounding on twos, a lot of toughness, three targets. Um, it just has a ton of utility and, you know, this, there's just so many ways to use it, um, and use it well and use it effectively. I think it's just, it's an auto take for me now, honestly. Um, I really thought about it, you know, play testing with, with the double, the imperatus, I think really just kind of opened my eyes to that. I mean, I was using it consistently when I just had the three man units of Satatarm and it was just kind of like, ah, oh, I wish I could do this for five of them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I built a list. Yeah. Initially, I built this list for Dreadhost, and um, I played a I played a pickup game against Dark Angels with this list, and uh, I took All Seeing Annihilator because I was just hoping to. I just was one bike captain, so I was just hoping to basically just get tons of sixes on on my big units of Earth's Praetors, and um, you know, so I had to drop Emperor's Companion, and um, I played a game against Blood Angels as well that same day a pickup game and i won the won the dark angels game i lost the blood blood angels game again because there's some really (laughs) (laughs) some really really janky stuff that just came out of left field it's like oh my goodness just failure failure to kill basically (laughs) that lost me the game um so but let me get back to admic and i'll talk about those those other games with the new lists kind of transition a little bit more why why i changed the lists uh to what it is now and why i'm pretty much going to stick with this list um, so the third game versus the Admech was really, really cagey because I didn't have the same firepower that I was used to, especially lacking an Ares gunship. So I used to just table Admech fast, because, mostly because of the, just the Ares gunship and the supporting like two Caladius tanks that I had. And I only had one Caladius tank and a Palace Grav, so I had to be a lot more careful. And I only had the one Blaze Cannon on the Palace Grav attack, you know, so like I had to be really careful with, um, and only five were Praetors with Salvo Launchers, so I had to be cagey man with my my shooting yeah uh, um, sorry sorry to interrupt you but when we are uh, for a moment on the aries gunship yes uh, aries gate found its uh, end i think with the with the newest faq so, uh, 
I think so. I think ba basically you were right, right? Yeah, I was right. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> wouldn't have heard the end of that if I hadn't been. I mean, I, I I'll say they ruled in my favor. I don't really think. I mean, I know I interpreted the rules correctly, but there was enough people in the community saying otherwise that they could have easily, I think, ruled it the other way. But yes, they did rule in my favor, and and uh, so I was very thankful for that. And but it's crazy because some people were still saying even after that FAQ that 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 the Aries gunship cannot still cannot still takes the penalty basically for not being able to fit within or wholly within the deployment zone in the base of the model rather than the base just for that particular you know which is, again just was the whole issue with it was just like you know you use the base not the model the model has a base you know and the mm -hmm. fact that you're just kind of like switching that rule off to conveniently try to penalize an opponent's army you know was was very underhanded and i'm thankful that they ruled the way they did but it still left it was crazy because it still left enough ambiguity that i was hearing from people that that the Aries gunship should still be penalized and stuff. And I was just like, this is crazy, you guys. But I mean, that just goes to show, though. I mean, when people are trying to twist and bend the rules, it doesn't matter how clearly you write them. They're going to try to twist and bend the rules. You know, that's just like they yeah. know that's the thing we're doing. It you know? seems like somebody at uh, Games Workshop listened to the to the older yeah older records that was. I'm, I'm thankful that they actually kind of took a clear-headed approach to it and, um, and didn't try to create more rules jank for us to have to deal with. Uh, so, yeah, so that was good. Um, so, so yeah, so, like, I was kind of hurting for the long-range firepower of that, the flat, flat six damage, especially against those robots. It's really, really nice. I mean, the Ares gunship is, like, super good against shooting robots, you know, because they're just, you know, toughness seven, so I'm wounded on twos with the Magna Blaze. You know, he's he's got like a five up invulnerable save, I think, usually, unless he does something about that. And it's just flat six damage, so he just picks up a whole robot, you know, plus D3, you know. So, I mean, yeah. you get three shots with that thing, you can just really smoke. And then two blaze cannons on top, two heavy, heavy Arachnus blaze cannons on top of that, which both can do six damage each. I mean, you can just literally pick up a unit of four or five robots if you roll roll good, you know. And, uh, you know, just the blaze cannons being able to reroll wounds on, on those vehicles was not having those in my Palladius tanks was, uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of looking at it going, this is actually going to be a lot harder than I've faced in the past. So the first time I was playing Admic with that double patrol, having only five British Praetors, too. It's just I did. It was a list that really was playing into those secondaries that I talked about, those line breaker, teleport homer, pierce the veil kind of triple secondary. And, um, yeah, I made that game really, really tough. Um, so I, you know, I couldn't even, it was just, I couldn't even do that. Uh, I did end up taking line breaker, I think, um, just cause I had no better option. I took Ryan down and I took, uh, I took the, uh, psychic ritual. So, so basically I ended up pushing hard into the center and basically just shooting at his dogs for most of the beginning of the game, uh, just to kind of stay ahead in primary. I killed one of his copters. He had a couple of copters, a uh, big unit of robots, a bunch of dogs. He had a big unit of the combat priests in a in a boat, in a transport, uh, that he ended up trying to center move. And I just ended up blowing up the boat and wiping that squad with my British Praetors. But then my British Praetors promptly got shot off the board by his robots. So it was kind of a trade, but it kept me in the center and kept me doing the psychic ritual. Um, and then my dreadnoughts come in, and they wreck a bunch of the robots uh with their shooting and the combined shooting with with the caladius tanks and then my salvo launch has also got killed enough so i 
you know, kind of degraded them a little bit prior to that. Um, and then basically the game ended. So I, I kept him off most of the objective primary primary objectives and kind of kept him in his corner, which helped a lot. So my sisters of silence were picking up points. I was picking up points for being in the center. And then my Caladius tank was holding a backfill objective. So I was, I was outscoring him in primaries most of the game. Um, and then, yeah, so then there was just kind of this big blow up between his stuff and my stuff, his robots, my my tanks and bikes and stuff. And um, basically, at the end of the game, he had, I had three models. I had my Caladius tank, uh, my Inquisitor, and I had one Sagittarium left. Uh, and that's all I had. And he had, he had one gunboat. Um, and I think it was like one of his dogs survived or what's, what's, oh, a unit of, um, no, they died too. He had like one gunboat left and oh, one of his, uh, his like manipulus character that was like hiding in the ruin. Um, and that was, and we talked it out because it's just, even if he shot everything that I had left on the board, it wouldn't have mattered as far as scoring. Um, and it was like, it was one of those games that we just were constantly like analyzing every move. I mean, we took the whole time basically and even talked out the last full term and, uh, just crazy caging, like crazy bloody game. Um, but yeah, I was really feeling that not having those, those extra shooting units and yeah, I mean like, and that was the, the kind of the review of it was like, yes, these these secondaries can be gimmies, but usually it's only when I'm really, really just smashing my opponent anyways, and it doesn't really matter then, you know. I mean, that was kind of the that was kind of the thing. I could think of a few of my matchups where it might have worked out in my favor a little bit, but um, you know, I played a uh, I played a Necron army with a similar kind of setup where I took teleport Homer Linebreaker. And like, yeah, it was good because it, it was a good trade in a way because it, you know, it forced him to spread the whole field, and uh, it kind of kept his units kind of in his field for a time, which was good because then I, I could, could comfortably, you know, shoot at him and pick up primary scores and kind of just set my army up to really punch in where I want to. Um, but yeah, but you have to sacrifice some some secondaries that way, and um, so. The other issue with it is just it's one of those really obvious plays as well. So that was the other issue that I had with that mm -hmm. is just like it's really super obvious what you're trying to do when you take all three line breaking secondaries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was an issue as well um, that I think that this current list that I have kind of helps cover up. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I learned some I learned I learned how to use. I mean, it felt good just getting some reps in with the Inquisitor. First time I was using him, yeah. uh, I felt good doing as well as I did at that RTT using a, you know, basically a new list against a very experienced player and kind of losing by a nose. Basically, to have Inquisitor and, and have him survive, you, you would have to take that uh, shield captain, right? Uh, with, with, uh, with the possibility to block damage coming into Inquisitor. Potentially yes. I mean, you know, anything can block for the character, obviously. Uh, or um, can you, or can you just, you know, well, yeah, any, good, good placing and play, uh, keep him yes. alive without that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Any, any. I mean, you can block the Inquisitor with anything, but the reason why I set it up the way that I did 
was because I wanted to keep as small of a line breaker footprint as possible. You know, so potentially I would only be sending the captain and the inquisitor behind enemy lines. Right. Cause that would be enough for line breaker. My, mm-hmm. my captain can do teleport Homer and he can do pierce the veil and then he can block for the inquisitor and basically take any kind of incoming fire, just the one model, you know? So that was kind of the idea of thinking behind that, you know, the less models, the better it's easier to find those little holes in your enemy's deployment zone so on and so forth. Um, and like, it's a good, like, it's a list that I have in my back pocket, you know, that I might bust out for an RTT or if something changes in the meta where I look at it and go, you know, actually this is going to be really, really effective. Um, Hey, my, uh, Venatari just came in. Oh, <laughs> I got mail. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, so, um, yeah, I think I did order. Yeah, I got six of them. Oh, man. Uh, well, that's exciting, sir. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good list for me. And um, But I, like I said, competitively, I, I really kind of, once the ITC season ended, I took 12th overall, which is great. Uh, I felt really good about that. And then I just barely took the first place for the Adeptus Custodes bracket. Uh, Aaron Cook actually been kind of chasing for a while he won an rt or won a grand tournament and actually beat dan sammons who is the number one player in the itc uh for this past season he beat dan sammons with the deficit custodes um dan was playing the orc buggy list so i was pretty excited to see that as well um so maybe that maybe that's something we can talk about next time in a little more detail yeah yeah sure uh because yeah. uh, I'd be interested in next I'm year. also interested in what what uh, what lists are uh, emerging because I heard some uh, with the point drops uh, in uh, in uh, southern board custodes. Uh, uh, I, I heard about the uh, at least uh, three units of of ten uh, with the southern board and just swarm the swarm the table with uh, basically yes, unkillable right. or very hard to kill. Uh, one plus, uh, yep, <laughs> three yep, plus yep. dudes. That's uh, that's something I haven't tried because I don't have that many, yeah, that many models. So. <laughs> I just don't like that. Uh, I mean, no, I that's not. No, we, we talked no, about it many times. It's it's very static list, right? You just uh, yeah. go there and and present a question to your opponent. Can you deal right. with this? And it's it's a list. Go ahead. If he can't, he will just uh, lose on scenario probably. And if he right. can, then then you will probably lose because the, all the uh, initiative in, is on the opponent's uh, side, right. right? Yeah, it's it's a list that I know how to beat. That's like kind of my standard, like <laughs> for play. Like if it's a list that I know my Adeptus Custodes army can beat, like pretty much every time. Um, I just don't I don't see any point in taking it. You know, most of my lists, I look at my list and go, yeah, man, I could really smash this list. I mean, I probably wouldn't kill every guy, but I wouldn't need to. You know, I'd really only need to kill one unit, you know, keep you on two objectives or force you to leave an objective and only hold one and just basically kite your unit around the whole game. You know, um, not a, to me, it's not. A, and then, just, you know, pick up anything that is not part of that, shoot, you know, board and sword. But the the Nopen though the Nopen played a in the Nopen the the list that won was a Sisters Adeptus Custodes hybrid I don't know if you saw that yeah I no I haven't 
seen that, but I heard about that. Yeah, so that was kind of when the whole hashtag shield wall thing kind of came back. Was uh, the list had like three units of three and one or two units of three, one unit of four, something like that. Uh, board and sword um, ended up beating a Drukari, uh, sort of a dark horse Drukari list in the last round, which was played by Nick Nadavani um, okay. from Art of War and the Art of War guys. So yeah, different yeah. different channel podcasts, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they definitely have play. Uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, I myself have never really been privy to them. Maybe because they've been a spam in the past, and I've just always kind of tried to, <laughs> with the exception of bites, I've, I've really kind of stayed away from trying to spam things at any time. Um, but, um, I, yeah, so I did just kind of as a maybe a closing thing, I did, uh, come up with a new list. I did play test it as Dreadhost, kind of, kind of didn't like it just kind of fell into some inefficiencies. My bike captain got it ended up separated from my both units of Praetors. And, uh, first the blood angels, he ended up, I ended up losing the game because I couldn't reroll his damage rolls, which was kind of like a telltale sign that I should switch back to what I was normally playing. Um, it's a big swing move. He dropped his, uh, the Sanguinor behind my lines and ended up getting into my backfield objective and tagging one of my tanks did tons of damage to it. And so I was like, okay, so if he takes this objective, he scores like four points for relentless assault, or he, he already scored like four points for relentless assault, but he's going to score another four points for relentless assault. If he keeps that unit behind enemy lines, uh, he scores five points for holding the primary or, and then blocks five of my points for taking the primary. And, um, just a slew, like I lose three points for assassin. There's just like a slew of point swings that basically were hinging on this guy, this Sanguinor living or dying in my backfield. Uh, like everything in my backfield is still kind of in my backfield because these blood angels and <laughs> uh, lots of Sanguinary Garden things. So I was struggling to kind of get into his line. We kind of met in the middle, both just like lost a bunch of stuff and then both just kind of backed off and just started shooting at each other at range. And then his Sanguinor just dropped in. And made the charge, made a 10-inch charge with my tank, uh, did a bunch of damage to it, and then I was like, okay. So uh, I back him off. He took, like, two wounds. Um, I can't, he took two wounds before he jumped out. So, like, he uh, took a couple wounds from Virtus Praetors previously. Um, so he, uh, so I, I backed the tank out. I fall back with the tank. And I turned the Sagittarium that way with all their draft of destructors, five five draft of destructors, and then my bike captain basically flies right into his face. And um, so I'm looking at it, going, okay, I can shoot at him with five draft of destructors, a salvo launcher, and then fight him in the combat with my bike captain. Should be able to kill. I think he had three or four wounds, something like that. Sanguinor. Yeah. You know. Toughness four, four up in bowl. Like, I was like, this should be doable. I get, you know, five wounds. So, yeah, so he's untouched. And what happened was, um, I shot also him. Also, feel no pain, right? Does he have a. No, he doesn't. In? No, he's oh, just okay. minus one to hit. But okay. I think my, my Sagittarium Tarm didn't care because they were shooting both their profiles. Okay. Um, again, this was Dreadhost, so I didn't have that stratagem. So I wound him with one of Drafted Destructor and it puts him down to two wounds. Uh, my Salvo Launcher misses uh on a two because he's minus one to hit 
so I can't re-roll that unless I have a, and I don't have a CP at that point. Um, and so basically I'm going, okay, my bike captain has to do two wounds on a toughness four, four up and vulnerable save model with five attacks and exploding sixes. So my bike captain charges, does five wounds. He saves, uh, I, he saves all of them. The only thing that he failed to save out of all that was just the one Adrathic Destructor hit. So, and I wounded with four Adrathic Destructors. He saves three out of four of those, and then Bike Captain misses his salvo launcher shot. Five wounds saves five out of five of his. So he made eight out of nine of his four up invuls. I would have won the game if any one of those had failed. <laughs> if any one of those had failed, I would have killed him. I would have. It would have been. I would have stopped like eight points of his secondary. I would have had another ten points of primary. Uh, and then plus my my tank would have been alive. So he ended up what ended up happening was so so he survives and then not only that, just to add insult to injury, he turns around and just kills my bike captain in one round <laughs> of combat. You know, full wounds, everything. Four, you know, I didn't have you know, I gave him the Raymond of Sorrows. I've been trying out the Raymond of Sorrows. So he just had a four up two, but he's you know, I mean like I make average rolls, I'm okay. I just he he just all hits, all wounds, like six attacks, all of two damage. And I just like roll like two out of six invulnerable saves. And yeah, kills so him, kills him on eight wounds. So I just like, oh my goodness. Just one of those yeah, you, you had to make uh, statistics of the table match. So if he made right. all the saves, you had to fail or well, I told him. I told him after the game. I, I, after the game, I was like, you know. At this, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I bet you glad it didn't happen at Grand Tournament. I was like, yeah, if it was a Grand Tournament, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just shot the whole unit of Sagittarium out. <laughs> you know? But since we were playing kind of a pickup game, I thought that was like, that was a risk I was worth, willing to take. But if it had been a GT, I would have looked at the options and been like, okay, if he survives, this is what's going to happen. You know? And I just would not have wasted, like, the, the, what the, all the, the, so the Sagittarium ended up shooting at Eradicators. He had three Eradicators, which was fine because it ended up being overkill. And my salvo launchers just went into um, something and went into Blade Guard that they were going to charge and wipe off the board anyways. So in hindsight, like even in that game, it didn't make any really sense for me not to just shoot everything from the Sagittarium into the into the Sanguinor. But I was just like, I was just yeah. overconfident. You know, I was like, my, my bike captain by himself should be a match for the Sanguinor on the charge. Should be. But I was also partly thinking reroll damage rolls, you know, kind of in the back of my mind, which he didn't have. Had he been able to reroll his damage rolls, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because he spiked all his four up invuls anyways. But, uh, and I also completely forgot to do fight on death because he had those, the sorrows, you know, he had the Raymond of Sorrows. So on a four up, he could have got another hit. Uh, you know, he could have struck again with like one last hit would have been enough to kill him, which would have been the same swing. So I also forgot to do that. So made a ton of mistakes on that one move and it just cost me the game by like 15 points, which, you know, really sucked. But I didn't feel so bad because it was the guy. It's the uh, the guy I played Dom. He's a guy who uh, who's running the place. So the place we played at, the Fabricators Forge is a gaming club he just opened up. So I didn't feel so bad because he owns the place, and also he's the he's the guy who started the Steel City Legion <laughs> in the club I've been sort of representing for the last whole tournament season. So, yeah. so it was it was, uh, it was what it was. But I yeah. after that game, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't like the Dreadhost. 
you know, like if I had more stuff deep striking in, just the fact that I went also down to one dreadnought, I was just kind of like, and I don't really need to charge him more often than not, you know, except in some very particular situations. And then I don't really increase that chance too much. I mean, a 3d6 rerollable charge, you know, is, yeah, I mean, it, there, there, it is better, but I mean, I've failed plenty of 3d6 rerollable charges at this point and know that it's not infallible. But the, so do you think Emissaries Imperatus uh, is the way to go for now for you? For me, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, this so list that I made, I am pretty much com- uh, committing to compete with it through the spring. Yeah. Uh, I've signed up for a bunch of tournaments, a bunch of big tournaments uh, through May, actually. Uh, I have like six or seven big tournaments that I'll be going to. And um, I plan on sticking with this list pretty much the whole time. I've, I've, I've already kind of considered some very minor changes, but I went back to the Emperor's Companion so I can reroll those damage rolls. Uh, I kept the Raymond of Sorrows because I think I really think with nine birds. Guys, I get a fight with one attack or shoot the salvo launcher, which can really, really turn a game. You know, yeah. Um, it makes it a little bit harder to kill them. You know, without having to take you know some reprisal. You know, if he comes down with a big unit of inceptors and shoots four of my or his Praetors off the table, I get four salvo launcher shots, you know, at his other unit of Inceptors I haven't shot yet, you know, which so, could... So basically yeah. you think that Emperor's Hand stratagem is worth taking Emissaries Imperators for now, at least over the other Red Hosts or the other, other Shield Hosts? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the way... The way I, because I never it. considered, because the, there are so many, so many good options here, uh, and I, Grim responsibility I, always tempted me so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, I think I honestly think overall it is better, and this is this is the way I break it down. Um, and I think mostly people haven't chose it because of ignorance; they don't realize how good it is against other armies. Because on paper, it doesn't seem as good unless you actually know what other people are playing, and you actually have like an awareness of of its use. So, you know, so like like I said, the way I've bro- broken it down is uh, you know the Dreadhost stratagem you can really only use once a game. Right, Golden Light of Moriatus, you deep strike in, and that's it. You know, you're never going to use that stratagem again. So you're looking at a one-time use with that. Um, you know, all seeing annihilator sure is good is a good warlord trait, but to me, you know, it's just it's not good enough, in my opinion, to to kind of counteract or to kind of measure up, especially when you can take another really good strategy or a warlord trait like. The Emperor's Companion, where you're rerolling yeah. your captain's damage rolls, you know, especially for the Salvo Launcher, and with Slayer of the Unclean, and that goes up to 2d3 or 2d6, like that can be really, really effective being able to reroll that if you spike those twos or whatever, you know, roll double ones or something on your damage, you can reroll that. You know, that's a big, that's a lot of rerolls that you get that you might otherwise be using CP for. Um, and then I found also just it's usually overkill. So usually when I'm actually getting exploding sixes and I'm getting a lot of exploding sixes, it's because I have a big unit of Hurtus Praetors charging something and they're going to kill yeah. the thing anyways, yeah. you know, without exploding sixes. Or they're not going to kill the thing and it's going to be really tough anyway. So, yeah. you know, to me, it was just kind of like uh, I didn't really need it. Um, the the nice thing about the Empress Companions, it's so granular that those like it's it's. It is situational, but you can find situations to use it. You know, there's actual situations that come up where it's like, I'm really glad I had that reroll damage roll there. Yeah. You know, but the exploding sixes thing, 
to me, hasn't come up yet. There's just too many things mm-hmm. you have to have in play. You have to have your bike captain next to your Virtus Praetors, which have to be charging with a bunch of stuff, you know, to actually make it effective. And it's, it's to me, it's just kind of already, you're already, you're already over the tipping point when your Virtus Praetors are getting 20 attacks on a unit, you know, even if you're wounding on fives, you know, like, or sixes. So they don't have the Emperor's Hand. So, like, they're wounding on sixes as Dreddo. So I have to spend two CP to bring it down to fives, you know. Uh, yeah, having the seventh thing with minus one to wound. You know? The more I read that uh, that stratagem, I really think it's a it's a for one CP is incredible stratagem. It is. It's a, it it's a ignore, gem. It really attack, is. Attack, hit wound, armor penetration modifiers, and, right. and cover as well. So right. So like things so, like ignore neg one neg two for salamanders or sisters. Yeah. Of battle don't come into play with that i, think I can use it, that on my caladius tanks yeah you know so I think my it doesn't tanks, it doesn't ignore the transhuman but it ignores uh, everything else right so it ignores crazy. yeah ap modifiers so like if yeah. i'm shooting at a big unit of sisters of silence that have the the, yeah. you know, the valorous you know valorous heart stoic tail of stoic mm-hmm. or whatever i can pay a cp on my caladius tank and you know instead of him Speak getting a three up, <laughs> yeah instead of him getting a three up armor save now he's getting a five up armor save you know, yeah. like that's a big deal, especially if I'm shooting at a unit of like retributors or something that I really, really need to shoot off the board or he's going to kill my he's going to kill my Caladius tanks, you know, or big unit of Virtus Praetors or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's and again, it's a strategy that you can use all the time, you know, like it's kind of like. It's kind of like grim responsibility in that regard, you know, you can use it in the shooting and the fight phase, but it's an and it's an offensive strategy. This is the second piece. Uh, of my argument for it is that I've always found playing custodes it's always better to have a stronger offense than it is to have a, a stronger defense. A lot of people play custodes really defensively and they're not really defensive gurus. They have a lot of points being sunk into their offensive capabilities. You know, when you buy a Telemon or you buy a unit of Virtus Praetors or Shield, Board and Sword guys, a lot of those points go to the fact that they're Neg three AP, D three damage, three attacks. You know, like a lot of the points get sunk into that. And when all you yeah. use them for is just standing on an objective and you're not actually getting any play with their combat abilities, you lose a lot of your efficiency that way. And so yeah. I look at a strategy like the Emperor's Hand, and yeah, it just wraps so much into just a one CP strat, you know, of like I'm shooting at your sit like it's like just again, yeah, just shooting at a big ten block unit of sisters of battle, you know, retributor squad, four multi-melters. You're staring down the barrel of four multi-melters turn one. You got a couple of Caladius tanks that are minus two AP that he's going to ignore, right? So he's going to get a two plus armor save against your Caladius tank shooting turn one, right? You're hitting on twos, you're wounding on twos. So you get 14 wounds, you might kill two sisters. You might kill three sisters, you know? You use one CP stratagem, they don't get cover, they don't ignore neg one, neg two AP anymore. Now they have a five up save. So now you're 14 shots, hitting on twos, wounding on twos. Suddenly he's making five up armor saves rather than two arm two up armor saves. Yeah. You know? For one CP, that's that's yeah. a ten man unit of that's a ten lady unit of retributors off the table. Like yeah, there, that's, there they go, you know. With with one CP you will go around all the all the defensive buffs like, like right. the, the space wolves will, that that have the uh, uh, cover mobile yep. cover with the with the power with right. uh, the right. neck 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 uh, to hit etc it's all everything's gone with one cp 
Incredible. One CP, man. It's really yeah. good. I, I need really to test good. it. I need to test it uh, for sure. I, uh, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think it is situational, but but there's it, there's such a utility in it. Like, there's so many situations you can use it for. Like, that's just one example. Like I said, I have, like, I have nine versus Predators and five-sided Tarm as the as the kind of the backbone of my army, besides the Caladius tanks. Giving them ignore cover is great. Like, having ignore yeah. cover for any one of those units is really good. And then, like I said, both of those units... Have a profile that's minus one to hit innately, you know. So if I'm shooting with two weapons or I'm shooting with my flak burst missiles at something that doesn't have the fly keyword, yeah, I'm minus one to hit. So like, there's never going to be a situation where I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and be like, there's no way I can use the Emperor's hand stratagem right now, you know, like whether it's in shooting or doubling the efficiency. Yeah, man, like that minus and that minus one to wound can be so game changing, and just being able to pay one CP to negate that is really really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I real I really feel good about it honestly. Uh, I think it's kind of the, the diamond in the rough that everyone's been missing. Uh, and just because yeah. me included, I just yeah, skipped no, over I it. Like, all I almost the... went with Dreadhos. Like yeah. when I sat down and, and I was like, okay, after I kind of evaluated my experience, I was like, what do I want to play into this in this season opener? Like, what do I really want to invest in? Initially, it was just kind of like Dreadhos because they're you know because that's going to really maximize my British Praetors and it's going to, yeah. you know, you know, be a really killy list. And I played a couple games with it and I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. But I was really just each phase I was going through, I was like, I was really just missing that Empress hand strategy. I'm like, I could have really used that Empress hand strategy in this situation or that situation. And uh, so, yeah, it just kind of dawned on me like, this is actually, and I haven't played it against sisters yet. Sisters of Bally yet. Uh, yeah. But you know the fact that, or salamanders for that reason, that for that for that um, to that effect either. So, um, so to me, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a little bit of a surprise to people. You know, I think I think it, like I said, it's been I think it's it's a diamond in the rough. I think it's really really good. A lot of people have been missing out on it, um, just focusing on the dread host or the grim responsibility. And like I said, playing trying to play offensive more than defensive. But I mean, it really is the offensive version of the grim responsibility strap. You know, it, I mean, it, exactly. it, it brings a lot to the table. So, but that's all I got. That's all I got. I know we're trying, yeah. to, we're trying to wrap up here. So. All right. Uh, okay, okay, Ryan. Let's uh, let's finish uh, with that uh, for today, and uh, we'll try to meet uh, soon, like in two weeks. I'm I'm going for holiday uh, okay. for two weeks, uh, but uh, after that we'll. I will probably not play during the holiday, but afterwards I will try to right. get some games in so we can. Sounds good. Well, like I said, I got a pretty, pretty packed tournament season coming up here, so we'll have plenty to talk yeah. about in the, in the next. Yeah, I think I think coming. that that Poland is also uh, going to to uh, loosen up on the restrictions soon, so I will probably start going to some tournaments uh, sounds good. as well. That sounds All right. great. Thanks for thanks for uh, the talk and uh, nice tips for. For the, my future tests. <laughs> yep, sounds good. Sounds good, okay. Martin. Okay, bye, Ryan. Bye bye.